were going to start this in, in January, like the new year, start the disciplines, good time to, to kind of get this together. And I kept getting bumped back. People kept stepping there. You've been in the line, and people keep stepping in front of you. But I was gracious. And then the summer came along. Let's do it in the summer. And the, the mission trip came, and then I'm the one saying, I need to go to the back of the line. Y'all let me go to the back of the line. And so finally, October comes, and we're, we're finally here. So I want to, Joe Oliver gave our small group a really good book on the disciplines called The Habits of Grace. This is by David Mathis. Raise your hand if you've seen this book. It's a very, my small group is all raving their hand. Joe gave us all a copy. And it's a, it's a great look at the disciplines. I love this book kind of because it helps kind of reorganize these disciplines of grace. We're talking about reading the word and in prayer and in fasting and memorization all these habits that, that we need, but he reorganizes it in a way I think is really helpful. We're going to talk about that. The classic book, I hope a lot of you have read this, The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney, who we would say I think is a friend of ours. Uh, this is a great kind of look at the different disciplines that uh, the Christian should have in his life. So I want to commend this book. If you haven't read it, it's, uh, it's excellent. So we're here. It's October. Um, Oh, a couple of things I wanted to say. The reason that really got me thinking about the disciplines. There, Joe. You're hiding back there. Uh, about this book, two things. One, I told you it reorganizes the book, but it, it does a couple of things that I really like. And one, it, it, it kind of wraps the whole idea of disciplines in the idea of joy, of experiencing God. And, and in these disciplines, as we draw close to, close to Christ, we find our joy increasing. And that's part of what I love about that. The second is... He adds something some of the other disciplines don't, and that's the need for fellowship and how God uses the fellowship of the one another's for us to grow. So another kudos to, to the book. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about the fellowship as a means of grace, and the whole idea is the grace in growing. Uh, on your handout there, you'll see kind of a tree. We're going to kind of come back to that idea of things growing, and I'll be honest with you up front is that I, I can grow hardly anything. Uh, I do not have a green thumb. It has not been successful, but I'm tenacious. I, I don't give up. The last time we had a real effort, that successful effort, was one year we, we, we grew cantaloupes in my backyard. And some of you may have heard my story about cantaloupes. Joel was waving his hand. So the cantaloupes were ready to be, you know, we wait them all summer, right, for the cantaloupes to grow, and the cantaloupes are ready. And I'm out there thumping the cantaloupes, listening, smelling. These cantaloupes look good, but it's late, and I'm tired. And the kids said, can we eat them now? I said, no, let's wait till tomorrow. That was a mistake. <laughs> Literally, I wake up the next morning, check my cantaloupes. All I see is little raccoon footprints. <laughs> all of my cantaloupes are gone. They've been rolled down the creek. I am sure that the, the raccoons probably can, can speak English now because they heard us talking. That's been my experience with growing things. Hopefully you guys are not that way. I will have to tell you that in, in my own spiritual growth, I can look back at my life and tell you that it's gone very slowly. And I wish that it had gone faster. And a lot of that really comes, comes back to Ken's discipline. Okay, we're answering the basic question, how do we grow spiritually? We want to look at what the scriptures say about how we grow. What, what, by what means has God provided for us to grow in Christ's likeness? 
So I'd like for you to start with a passage. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. That's where we're going to start. I was telling Frank this morning that I kind of went over my lesson last night while I was watching the football game. And how long did it take me, Frank? Were you listening to me? <laughs> it took me two hours. And I kept thinking, how much of this is the lesson? How much of this is the game? I don't know. This is a great passage of Scripture. Colossians has a lot to say about how we grow. So I want to read this verse in Colossians 1, verses 3 through 12. It says, We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, and it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Now I want to stop there for a second and just think about the gospel going out and, and think about the, the breadth of that. It's going across the world and then also it's doing something else. It's, it's going deep. It's producing fruit, right? So you have this initial planting and then after that something's growing and it's bearing fruit. Even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it, okay, there's a learning process going on here, from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that, now I want you to pay attention right here, so that you will, there's eight things here that I want you to kind of look at because we're, we're going to come interactive and I want you guys to talk to me. So that you will, one, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I think about these, these gifts that God gives us and the fruit that's produced in our life. And when I think about the saints in light, I think about these qualities resonating out, glowing out in the life of a believer so others can benefit and grow. All right. Here's my first question for you in verse, um, actually in, in five diff three different verses, it talks about what that it is that Paul is talking about. In verse 9, for this reason also, since the day we heard, and the NAS is of it, what is the it that he's referring to? This is your turn. <laughs> it's the gospel. You get to try my little thing here. The gospel. Tell me if it's working. Yes, it does. Sort of. Okay. The gospel uh, is where, that, where this whole act of grace begins. That's where the believer's life begins. It doesn't stop there, but it starts there, and it begins to spread. And that's my next question. Did the gospel, did the gospel effect stop at conversion? Did it stop there? The answer is no. 
it, begin, it continues to begin to change us uh, and starts producing fruit. Now think about uh, the last thing you tried to plant, right? Uh, from seed or from whatever you bought at Home Depot. The fruit doesn't come immediately, right? You have to wait for it. It begins to sprout. It takes some time, and in the end, it bears fruit. So here's another question for you, for you theologically minded. What is the motivation, do you think, for producing this fruit? Paul's excited, right? He's talking to the Colossians. He's excited about what's going on. What do you think is the motivation for the Colossians in this passage? You can guess. What is it? Faith, uh huh. Yeah, it's the outworkings of faith. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I had written down hope. Thank you. Yeah, hope. Uh, they see the hope that their faith has provided. That's concluding that. It's looking forward to something, some great reward. Think about some discipline that you've had in your life and that you were, you were tenacious at, that you worked hard at. Maybe it was trying to grow cantaloupes. I'm going to let it go. Uh, and you see a reward at the end, right? You see some, some motivation. And for the believer, it's not only the Holy Spirit we have now, but it's also looking forward to some, this great day when we see him face to face. Very good. All right. Now we come to it. Now the, the, the scriptures here list eight different qualities of, of fruit that you would see in a believer's life. And I want to write these down. So there's eight, beginning in verse 10... I'd like for you guys to tell me what these qualities are. Go ahead. Oh, we can write wisdom. Uh-huh. Oh, very good. To walk worthy. To be pleasing to the Lord. Okay, good. That pleasing the Lord is something very important. We're going to come back to that. Go ahead. Yeah, so as we're growing in faith, we're increasing in the knowledge, and that's also adding to what we know to be our fruit. So we're just going to put knowledge here. What else did you guys get? Bearing fruit? What was that? Bearing fruit. Okay. This is weird. Okay, I have five so far. What else? Yeah, he gives us the strength. How are we going to do all this, this growing stuff and this fruit producing stuff? It's by grace. He's giving us the strength to do it. Very good. I'm arriving in, where are we? Verse 11, strengthened with all power for the attaining of all you have steadfastness? Good. When you think of steadfastness, endurance is another way of saying that. Uh, steadfastness, I'm going to give up on that. Steadfastness is this tenacious, I'm not going to give up on this. There's something within me that's changed. I am going to pursue Christ. It's something the Holy Spirit does, and it's a fruit that he, he supplies to us. And patience. All right. I have trouble with that one. I am ready to have it done now. And I'm afraid the next generations probably have it worse than I do, from what I understand. Um, and I'll just say the last one is it's the fruit of thankfulness. Uh, 
if you've ever met a, a believer that's been mature in the, in the, in, in the faith and, and you get to hang around them, one of the things you'll notice is this, this air of thankfulness that they have. Just, they understand that what they have been given is from God and it flows out for them. It's like fruit that's, that's hanging on the tree. Very good. So these are some of the, the, the fruit that God is producing in our lives. So the gospel starts and the st- gospel starts producing. Now today, this is going to be kind of an introduction, kind of give you a feel for where we're going on the disciplines of grace. We're going to cover kind of, kind of this general idea of how God is going to do that. And what I'm going to do for the next four weeks, I'm going to hit three areas that, that Mathis in his book likes to divide up these disciplines. And I think that's very helpful. Uh, on the top of your handout, you'll see uh, God's voice and how we listen to what God has to tell us. The second area is God's ear. In other words, what we do in response to that in, in prayer and then fellowship. We mentioned God's people and the fellowship. So uh, today is going to be this, this general overview, and then we're going to hit these other three sections in the next three weeks that we go. But, but first, we're going to answer this question, um, how do we grow? And the first thing you'll see in your handout is we do it by God's grace. Let's see if I can erase this. All right, just like a whiteboard. I'm not going to be perfect. All right, first is uh, by God's grace. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For it is by grace. We look at this as that moment of salvation. We also know it as justification. And it is to be declared, class? Righteous. Yes, to be declared righteous. This was a, uh, a big event. Last year we celebrated the Reformation. We talked about Martin Luther. He comes to Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, and he finds out, what is this righteousness that I'm, I'm going to be given? Uh, it really strikes him that, wait a minute, I don't earn this righteousness. It's something given to me. The just shall live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Uh, it was a dramatic turning, and that kind of, God used that, that to light up the Reformation and that change. So it starts in justification. The second part of that is in sanctification. That in, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 finishes that with, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a, as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's justification. So that um, help me the verse. Uh, so that we would walk in them, right? These good works that God has prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. And that is a term called progressive sanctification. No, it's not an insurance agency. No, it's not progressive. It is progressive sanctification. So this is how we're going to grow. Now, on your handout, I have put on there a little chart for you. Do you see that? It says growth. Let me change this. And it says years, right? It's not going to work. Okay. So this is your believer. Now, you do not have to fill out your chart now, but I would encourage you to do that later if you'd like. But as in progressive sanctification, you're going to start at ground zero here. If you start up here, something's wrong. If you start down here, something's wrong. I'm not even sure I know what's wrong, but something's wrong with that. You have to start... At zero, and your life, it is a series of ups and downs. How many say amen to that in your Christian life, right? Kind of slow, you can kind of come up and down, but the progress is still upward. 
You're becoming less bound to sin and more enraptured in Christ and in his love as the years go by. Um, I think we're going to look back at our life when we get to heaven. We'll be able to see this clearer. Uh, just the times of trial that God drives us to his word and to the fellowship and to the body or the times that we grew the most. Spend some time this week. Think about where am I on this, on this graph? How is my life going? One of the intentions that I have for this series is for us to take a look and see where we are spiritually and how we're growing. Okay, so that's progressive sanctification. Uh, Grudem uh, in Bible doctrine defines this as a progressive work of God and man, catch that, and man, that makes us more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. So this is the part of, of our growth in Christ. You know, in, in salvation, it's passive, right? God is doing the work in us. In sanctification, God has invited us in, even called us in, to participate in the work. Uh, we'll talk about some analogies. I think we've spent a lot of time, I would say, in the last several years on that point, all right, that, that is a, we're participating in our growth in Christ. So the second thing that, again, answering the question, what, how do we grow? Second point is the characteristics of this grace. The characteristics of God's grace, two things. There is a common grace for your handout. Oops. And there is a saving grace. Kind of talking sort of the same thing, but in a different way. The common grace is the undeserved blessings that God gives to all people, right? Uh, he created you. He is your creator. You can go outside. Yesterday it rained all week, right? And the sun came out. Amen? Amen? Beautiful. We all get to enjoy that. Believer, unbeliever, uh, we're excited when we see God's blessings. Uh, and we, we all get to share in that. The beauty in the world is a blessing. Just the structure that he has provided. The fact that he's designed us so, so that we understand we need to have leaders. We need to have civil government. We need to have order and laws. Uh, that's a blessing until they're chasing you down the highway. Sorry, Phil. Uh, then maybe not so much. But, you know, those things are all graces that we all get to enjoy. Those are good things that God has provided for us. Uh, and then we're talking about saving grace. And this is the unmerited favor from God's love for us. It's a peculiar love. It's not the common grace. It's a peculiar grace of love for us through Christ and this, this story of saving grace is the thread that goes all through the Gospels and in the Scriptures. And a look at grace at work, you know, God's grace at work. We, we, we know it about creation, creating the world and, and the pleasures that we all get to enjoy. And then the justification of grace. We talked about how he saves us in sanctification, how he grows us and how he glorifies us. So that's the, the third part of that, is how he takes us in our state and transforms us more like Christ. With our hope set on that day, when this life ends, and we see him face to face. I heard an amen, right? That's the sound of a believer in Christ when he finds that joy. And of course, God's greatest grace is in Christ, right? This is the whole story of the scriptures, that Christ came and gave us life and gave us hope, and then, obviously, the future hope, right? So the third thing we're going to talk about is the source of change. 
Why pursue growing in Christ? Why is that important? Uh, it's sort of difficult to explain. Uh, it's something that God gives you, this new desire. Um, one time I went up to Seattle, and my friend Danny told me he would go up there with me because I want to check off something on my bucket list. And that is, I want to go salmon fishing. Nobody raise your hand if you've already been salmon fishing. It produces covetousness in me, okay? <laughs> but you see these pictures of the salmon, they're jumping in the, in the river, and you think, oh, I want to be there and try to do that. And then he said, I'll go up there with you. And I went to go, and what did he say? Can't go with you, Ken. So okay, Danny, I'll catch you in the next life. But <laughs> no guilt. But it's interesting, if you think about the life of the salmon, they start in the ocean, and then they had this strong desire to move upriver. And if you watch on the movie, you see it's just, their mind's set. And they will go over dams, they'll go upriver, they'll be jumping until they get to the spawning areas, and they're, they're driven by that. And it makes me think about the life of a believer who has Christ in him, and he's just drawn to him like, like insects to the light. You're just drawn to uh, Christ-likeness. Um, Donald Whitney in his book likes to highlight this verse in 1 Timothy 4.7 it says discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness for the purpose of godliness think of this as a banner if you, in fact in his book on every page on the right hand side of his page he has this, this verse there for the purpose of godliness uh, it's an important thing how many of you would put this on the front of your house. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Not really inviting, right? I mean, anything that starts with discipline doesn't immediately bring a smile. You would probably get comments like, well, the legalists have just moved in over here. We have to put up with them. Is that a threat? Or is that a hope? Let's read your hand out. Is that a threat? Or is it a hope? When I was going through high school, I always get to tell stories when I get a chance to talk. I had an older brother and an older sister, all right? <clears throat> I hope my brother's listening to this because my, my brother went to school. They were both older than me. He was a rascal. And I would, I would go following them in high school, and I would meet a teacher inevitably, and they'd say, your last name is Basinger. Yeah, I had your brother. <laughs> it was going to be a bad year. I mean, let's tell you, I had to win the teacher over. There was a scowl on her face. But my oldest sister, her name is Janice. Oh, Basinger, is your sister Janice? Yes. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> it's going to be a good year in your class because my sister was, she flew right. Do we look at this idea of disciplining yourself with a scowl? Or with a smile, right? And Whitney likes to remind ourselves that we talk about this verse, in his presence is fullness of joy. It is right-handed pleasures forever. Now, I want to make it clear here, we're not talking about doing the disciplines in some legalistic way. In other words, I can't make myself a higher standing with God. That's been done, amen, in the cross. But what I can do what he gives us the ability to do is to enjoy his presence, right? If you've been a believer very long, you've had those moments when you've been in the Word or you've been with a group and you've been in prayer, maybe you're on the ladies' retreat, and you have these wonderful times where the Lord just seems so close. 
and you're, and you're so excited. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the disciplines for the purpose of godliness and then training ourselves to do more of that. That's what we're thinking about. So we'll look at the warning also. Um, Hebrews 3, verses 10 through 12. Uh, but Hebrews 3.10 talks about, about something wrong with our hearts. While we would see the discipline as a negative thing, he talks about in, in the wilderness when they were straying away from him, and he says they always go astray in their hearts because our hearts tend to wander, right? You saw, you saw Moses' face on the mountain, right? It was glowing, and immediately it started to fade, right? So we have to be in the Word, renewing ourselves because our hearts tend to stray. And so he, he tells the believers, these are believers in Christ who have the Holy Spirit with them, Paul says, uh, well, whoever the writer of Hebrews is, take care, brothers, lest there be in, in you an evil, unbelieving heart. Watch this. Leading you that you might fall away from the living God. Leading you away. Our hearts tend to do that. Even though we have all the joy here in, in Christ's presence, we have this draw that kind of pulls us away in our flesh away from the living God. All right, the, the next set of scripture I want us to look at is 1 Timothy. You can turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Again, this is just kind of, a, a kind of an overview of where we're going and what Christ is doing and why this is important. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 10. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, here it is in the ESV, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive does that sound passive? It's active, right? It's, it, it's, it's, it is work. Uh, deserving the full acceptance. For the, to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the, what is it? Living God. living God. That living God that you were straying away from, we have this in us that is desiring, our hope is set on the living God. So I want, to, I want us to highlight the joy that we have and not some dead faith but an active, living Savior who invites us to come in and spend time with Him. So this has been somewhat the mystery, uh, as you see from Genesis in your Bibles all the way through Revelation, this, this mystery of how uh, we can get a believing heart into uh, bodies and lives that tend to stray away. Ezekiel 36, 27, he says, kind of answers the question, how is this going to happen? Here's the promise, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Mathis in his book calls this the X factor. It's that, that motivating generator that God supplies in us that gets us moving toward Christ. And it is, it's a gift of the spirit. And then Colossians 1, 26 and 27, so many good things in Colossians about how we grow. 26 and 27 talks about this mystery that's been hidden from the past ages and generations, which is, if you guys know, 
Thank you. Christ in you. This is that mystery that we couldn't kind of figure out. It was kind of, kind of foggy in the Old Testament, but now it's been fully revealed in the New that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And as you go through this, I want to, you to have that question in your mind. Do I have that? Do I have that desire? Is my heart and mind set on the hope of glory that Christ has brought? So the, the fourth thing I want to mention, that there's a lot of ways the scriptures talks about how, it kind of pictures how we grow in Christ. There's a lot of different formats. One of the things that keeps coming back and that I like to think about is, is uh, plants and trees and growing. Again and again and again, the scriptures talk about what that looks like in the believer's life. It's a good picture of who we are. Ephesians 3, 17, and in several places, you guys probably have a, a lot more. This is what came to my mind talks about how we, that you may be, this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, that you may be rooted and grounded in the faith, in love. Next is what it says. That's your blank there. Grounded in love. It's this idea of, of planting something and it growing out of the soil of love. A couple of other analogies you might remember. The patient waiting farmer, right? He plants and then he has to be patient. He has to wait. Uh, sometimes after some particularly good sermons, no offense, Dan, but sometimes they're really, really good, I, I love to go up to him and I'd say, that was a great sermon. I could hear the roots creaking, right? The roots growing down. You have to wait for the fruit, but the roots are going down. The fruit will come when it happens. So there's the call to being patient. So as we grow, we think about growing in Christ, we understand that it's going to take time for that to happen. You know the vine and the branches, right? Christ talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches. There's no life except in me. Just a picture of, of that fellowship that we have in Christ. And without that, there's just no growing. It's just, it's just going to be dead branches. Uh, in the warning of the fig tree. Now, I don't know how many of you were like me when you read that and they go, what is that about, right? So in, in, John, excuse me, in Mark and also in Matthew, you get this, uh, this picture of Christ coming, he sees this fig tree, and there's no figs on it. And he's not happy about it. And he curses the fig tree. What happens? Remember? It withers, right? And as you put the, the stories together, it looks like it withers, and the next day they come back, and it's, it's dead, right? And you're thinking, what's that about? And you, know, you read some of the commentaries, and you, you, you recognize that the nation of Israel was given all of the blessings, they were given the law. They were given God as his people, right? This is his people. There should have been fruit. There should have been figs on that. This was a, this was a picture of what God expects from his people, that you are fruit-bearing, right? So there's that picture as well. That's the warning. We know about the parable of the sower. You know, they're, they're casting seeds out. You see this in Luke and in, in Matthew and in Mark 4, about him casting seeds, you remember? The birds pick it up, and sometimes it lands you know, on, on the soil, and it's choked out and taken, and some of it goes down deep, and it starts to grow, and it starts to produce fruit, right? So in the parable of the sower. Um, I really would like to spend just a few minutes here on, on a very famous one. We're going to turn to Psalms chapter 1. One of the 
first verses that they make you memorize in Sunday school. Psalms chapter 1. It's a great, great look at a believer's life. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. This is the first three verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is a picture of, I've written down there, spiritually mature. To be spiritually mature, this is a picture and what it means to someone who's following after Christ. Just a couple of comments on this verse I, I want you to, to understand. As you grow in Christ, you're doing some important rejecting, right? You're putting off things, uh, ideas of the wicked, uh, the way of the sinner, the seat of the scoffers. You're, you're moving away from that. The problem is the world never stops, right? Our flesh is never goes to sleep. So we're always kind of drawn a little bit to those things, and this is, this is the call to reject those things. There's also a delighting in that verse. There's also a delighting in, in his word. He is like a, he, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now you can look at that and you say, boy, look at all that discipline. Drudgery, drudgery, drudgery. We'd be missing something really important, and that is the delight that the believer has when he's in the word of God with his spirit, experiencing him both privately and in fellowship in the body. So, and here he is, he's like a, a tree planted by streams of water, which yields in its fruit in its season. So, uh, recognize that the tree is planted there, right? It didn't just show up. It was put there, and put there next to streams of water for the tree to grow. And I can't help but think about all the blessings he's provided to us in Christ in his word and the fellowship here at Calvary, all these, these blessings that we have and encouragements for us to grow. All right. I try to grow something all the time. I tell you this, right? I give up. I have a recurrent disaster with tomato plants. And Joel can attest to this. Uh, every year I try to plant tomatoes, but through some fault not of my own, they don't do well. They always die. Actually, I kind of forget about them. <laughs> they find them kind of shriveled up. But I keep trying to do it. It feels sort of like, uh, you know, you start off this year, tomatoes, we're going to do it. And it feels a little bit like, like Charlie Brown and Lucy, you remember? <laughs> Charlie, Lucy puts the ball out and she moves it at the last second. But every year he's ready to go, right? And I, I think it's really my own undoing, but but I keep trying. I keep working at it. I know some of you green thumbers are just laughing and be like, how can you mess up a pandemic? I don't know either, but it fails. I have the roots to show you in my back porch to prove it. Um, but you don't see that in Psalms 1. In Psalms 1, you see this picture of us growing. I, I've put on your handout there just kind of uh, something to think about as you think about a plant growing. And you can fill this in as you go. We're just going to kind of walk through this relatively quickly. Uh, things that we need to grow for a plant. You guys talk to me. What are you things for a plant to grow? I could use these tips, by the way. 
Good soil, yes. Water regularly. I think that was my problem, actually. You need sunshine. Yep, really good. What is it? Fertilizer. That could help me, too. <laughs> Fertilizer, that might help. Yep. And we need... Okay, we'll strike that comment from the record. <laughs> Frank is saying somebody who reads the directions. Well, okay. Pollination. I'll bring my tomato plant to be next to your banana plant and we'll make it work. And we need time. We need time to watch this, this to grow. Think about the spiritual man. He needs God's word. He needs to hear God. He needs his spirit. He needs to communicate with God, right? We get that blessing in prayer. And then we need the church body. We need one another. God has designed it such that in our interactions with one another, we encourage one another to grow. We look at the seasons, right? It says here in Psalms 1, in his season, it produces fruit. All right, there's the seasons of time. And while we think about spring, summer, fall, and winter, maybe we talk about man's life in the springtime and ending in the winter. But really, that's true for the physical man. It's not true for the spiritual man. The spiritual man who loves Christ is continuing to grow. There's no fading away. Right, uh, It says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Though my outer man is decaying, yet my inner man is being renewed day by day. And so that graph that we, you, you're charting out, it's growing. It's, it's grow it doesn't fade. It prepares us for eternity. So what are the benefits of, of growing a tomato plant? Or let's say a tree, any of those things. What are some benefits? Y'all can motivate me. Oh, yeah, shade, yeah, mm -hmm, good. Yeah, shade from the heat of the day. You can think about that as trials of life. Roots, yep, mm -hmm, yeah, roots. We need that. What are the benefits? Thank you. Fruit, yeah, you get to enjoy your tomato plants. Yeah, if you can grow tomato plants. Yes, fruit, shelter, protection, all those things you see growing uh, and in the life of a believer, you can see the analogies. Uh, the roots provide stability. They provide strength. Paul talks about in several parts of the epistles at how when the roots grow, grow strong, every whiff of wind that comes along, you are not carried away. You are, you are set on the gospel. The next craze that comes by that everybody wants to jump, jump on, this new uh, thing about spirituality. Uh, but our, we're grounded in Christ. We're not easily moved away. This is the idea, I think, that Paul has when he's talking about our roots going deep and they're going wide. Okay. By the way, you know what kind of plant that is growing? Thank you. Yes. My avocado experiment. That's in my window seal. I planted that like four months ago. My small group knows, so they've been kind of looking at it in my window, and I'm so excited that it's actually going to do something. Ask me later if it actually <laughs> does anything. It takes like years for these things to work, right? So it's a real test in patience to see if that's going to happen or not. Um, number five, uh, the mystery of grace and obedience. And uh, it's been great. Dan's talked about some of this in the sermons. 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 5, and 7 is a good area to remind us. It says, Paul planted... Apollos watered, so here's this work being done in the church, 
But who caused the growth? It says God caused the growth. So here's that, that combination of, of us and the Holy Spirit. God's working at the same time together. We just finished Philippians, and Philippians 2, 12 and 13 talks about we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for God is working. I love Dan's story, if you remember, about his son Joshua working on the playground. Remember that? He's trying to put these lag bolts into the wood, and it's really hard. And his, his grandfather comes over and says, let me help you with that. It's not, let me do it for you. Let me help you with that. And all of a sudden, Joshua is cranking the bolts in. If you remember the story, I think that's a great example. Is Joshua doing the work? Yes. Is God doing the work? Yeah. Is his job getting done? Yeah. So it's a combination of both of us together on this journey. God has graciously allowed us to participate in this part of growth. Ezekiel 36, we mentioned earlier, it just reminds us that we have this spirit in us that's causing us to walk. God's means of sanctifying grace in our lives is also called by another name, and that that is the disciplines of grace. The, The disciplines of grace... It answers some of the questions on how we get to participate in our growth. Now, do we grow all the time just because we have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Holy Spirit's been given to us. It convicts us. It helps us to desire Christ. There's growing there. But he's given us these avenues, these pathways, where he's designed for us with these, these benefits of wonderful grace that helps us to grow. So in... Kind of in wrapping up here today, I'm going to, I'm going to close in, in Colossians chapter 2. So you can turn there if you want. Colossians 2, verses 5 through 8. This is probably one of my favorite areas of Scripture because just the way it, it kind of explains how we walk as believers in Christ. Colossians 2, verses 5 through 8. Follow along. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and your stability of your faith in Christ. So here's Paul having labored with the church, and he's rejoicing to see them, their discipline. So if you just walked into the Sunday school room, you had been following, that might sound strange to you if you don't know Christ. Rejoicing at your discipline. Yeah good discipline, and your faith in Christ. Therefore, watch this in verse 6, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Hmm, that's interesting. What does he mean? He explains, having been firmly rooted, think of a plant, and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with Gratitude. This is the fruit of thankfulness that's coming out. Now look at verse 8. So that's what God's doing. Now see to it. Is that what yours says? See to it. I don't know if you guys had parents like I did, but we didn't get away with much. We, we had to stay. We were doing chores. We were given responsibilities. And I can hear my dad saying, son, see to it. That means I needed to get, get busy with the chores that I had to do. So here is God telling us what he's done in our lives. And he's looking at us and he's saying, see to it. Now you need to participate in this as well. See to it. What am I doing? That no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception 
according to the tradition of men, we have to guard ourselves, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Why would we look anywhere else than in Christ? All right? And in him, you have been made complete. He makes us that way. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Where else would you go except for the God of heaven who is over all rule and authority? What I want you to see here is our participation in sanctification. And here's a process. You hear, you receive by faith, and you follow. Now, you could say that in different ways. It's presented somewhat differently in different areas. But as you see this theme, you hear, you receive by faith, and you follow. That, that's the way you receive the gospel, isn't it? You heard, you received it by faith, and you followed, didn't you, right? The same is true in sanctification. You hear his instruction, you, you receive it by faith, you believe it's true, and then you follow it. And in that, in that, in the next few weeks, I want to show to you how that brings joy into your life. Being in the presence of God is our joy. Psalm 16, 11 says, we talked about it, you make known to me the path of life, for in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. That is where our joy is. Isn't it interesting? If you're like me, sometimes you go a season in your life where you just have been too busy, you know, trying to get to work on time or some project, and you kind of, you felt yourself wandering away. And then, and, and you can feel it. And then, and then you have seasons of life where you're just, man, I got to talk about this passage I read in Galatians. It's so cool. And you have a fellowship with one another. And you feel the joy of God's presence with you as you're, as you're pursuing Him. And again, we're not saying this increases your standing with God, right? This just increases your enjoyment for God. This is what God has provided. And it's, it's a pathway. You will make known to me the path of, of life. He has provided us certain pathways he set in front of you and said, you walk down these pathways, you're going you're gonna to fellowship with me in his word and in prayer. We're going to talk about these in the year to come, excuse me, in the, in the months to come. It takes work, right? The Colossians received it and they had to see to it. You see Paul's labor we talked about in the earlier passage in Colossians about Paul's labor and Epaphras, the faithful servant who was working. He expects us to do that as well. So I'm going to close here uh, with a prayer, but I want to also leave an encouragement and a warning. An encouragement and a warning. Dan mentioned this, I think, several, several it might have been several years ago, but it's just stuck in my head. And it's this thought. You have as much of Christ as you really want. Just think about that a minute. You have as much of him as you really want. And I think about that, that moment when I reach heaven and I look back at my life and I will look and see how much did I really want Christ? Shouldn't I have been pursuing more? We'll talk about that later, afterwards. Yeah, but it's both an encouragement and once a warning because you want to see yourself growing, right? But it's an encouragement that he's here.
he's come. The encouragement is we can have more of him as you fellowship with him in his word and in prayer and in the body. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you, Father, for your grace and the mercy that you brought to us in Christ and the hope that you've given to us in heaven, Lord. It just ignites our heart. We thank you for the Holy Spirit in changing us from one degree of glory to another. Father, I pray that we as a body would think about where we are in our growth and how we're doing in pursuing you and finding our joy in you, Lord. And I pray that in my own heart and in the hearts of your body, Lord, that we would find our joy in you uh, moving forward or, or maybe just renewing that. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.